In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the first Sunday of Babad. Today's uh, Gospel reading is from the Gospel of St. Mark. It's about the healing of the paralyzed man who was brought in with his um, with the effort of his friends. The miracle is also included in the Gospel of St. Matthew and St. Luke, so they're in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. In the last Coptic month, uh, most of the readings focused on the tender mercies of our Lord, about forgiveness, and about His acceptance of all people. In this month of Bebet, this is the first month, uh, this is the first reading of that month, um, it's focused mostly on the power of God, His divinity, and His strength. Along with Christ showing us His divine power to heal, as we read today, we read in the coming weeks of Christ's power over nature, over the demons, over death itself. Because there were a few miracles in the Old Testament which God did um, through Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and a few others, but uh, Christ these amazing, uh, did these amazing miracles on a regular basis and with a higher frequency and with greater power. And the difference between the saints of old and Christ also, not just the frequency of the miracles and the amazing uh, strength of the miracles, but also that he had the power in himself where the saints, of course, they received that power and that grace to perform the miracles where Christ himself did those miracles by his own power. Um, you know, saints have times where they have that the grace to do the miracles and other times they don't, but Christ has it in himself at all times. <clears throat> Throughout the Gospels, we read of the healings such as those of the mute, um, the deaf, the crippled, the paralytic, those with withered hands, uh, those who were blind from birth, actually born without eyes, and those who had leprosy, those who were demon-possessed, God healed all those people. He healed those with fever and those who were on the point of death, and many others too that the Bible says were brought to him, and he healed them. So not even, the Bible doesn't even list all the healings that he did. He performed many, many healings. And the gospel shows that he also rose three people from the dead and had control over nature. He controlled the wind, he controlled the waves, the, he controlled the animals, he controlled the trees, the weather. Um, he had control over material, uh, turning water into wine, feeding thousands with a few loaves and a few fish, uh, walking on water. He had power over the spiritual realm as well. He was casting out demons, commanding Elijah and Moses to appear. He ordered the demons to do what he wanted. Um, he opened heaven at his baptism. He descended into Hades. He opened the gates of the saints, and, and many of the saints appeared after his resurrection, um, and, he, and he himself rose from the dead. We, when we look through human history, no one is even bold enough to, to say anyone did these things. He is our true champion, uh, our, our victorious Lord, who has done so many things unrealized ever in the history of humanity. So the last verse of today's gospel speaks as if all humanity is saying, we never saw anything like this. Uh, these visible miracles indeed show that the invisible divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And the, and the divinity of the Father. Um, even though uh, in the history of the church as well, the saints have also performed many miracles. It's beyond a short sermon like today to talk about even a fraction of the many miracles, uh, even just the famous ones uh, throughout our church history that the saints have performed in the name of Jesus Christ, of the raising of the dead, the healings, the apparitions, the moving of mountains. These things are in our history that we know that Christ still is active and working even till today, even recent saints like Pope Carolos and other saints who are still alive today as well. 
uh, he's still very active in the life of those being saved every day. But interestingly, today when he uh, saw the amazing faith of the friends and as they brought in the paralyzed man, um, it doesn't. his healing does not start with be healed. It starts with, with Christ saying, um, when I'll read you the verse, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, sons, your sins are forgiven you. He didn't say, wow, great faith, be healed, and he healed him. He's, his first step was to say that his sins are forgiven, which might have perplexed uh, some of the, you know his friends saying, hey, we brought him all this way. We broke a guy's roof. Uh, you know, we didn't come for necessarily forgiveness of sins. We came for this person to be healed. But generally speaking, we can say that um, our sicknesses and, the, and even death itself is a result of sin entering, entering into the world. It's a, it's a consequence of sin. Um, it's the consequence of the falling, the original fall of Adam and Eve. God did not create us, though, to have that kind of sickness. But once we separated ourselves from the source of life, sickness and death became part of what we call the human experience. So some of these sicknesses, they heal over time. Some of them heal with the aid of drugs or a physician or a doctor, and some do not heal at all. It's when sin entered into this human condition that we began to see sicknesses and we, we began to see death. But when Christ came, therefore, to destroy sin and to destroy the devil and our bondage to him, we know that healing naturally comes from as, the, as a result of this. And in heaven, of course, there is no sickness and no death. So there, there may be on earth, and not necessarily when we see somebody struggling with any kind of sickness, we don't necessarily say that, hey, it's because of sin that he's fallen into cancer or, you know, that, or any of the other sicknesses that we may endure or troubles that we may endure. Uh, we know a lot of the saints bear those kind of crosses. But generally speaking, sickness generally is uh, in the world because of sin. Uh, the verse that when Lazarus died, the, the shortest verse in the Bible that says Jesus wept, didn't just apply to the scene that he was seeing with um, Mary and Martha being, um, you know, very grief, you know, going through grief because of the, the loss of their brother. But he also wept because of the situation that he found humanity in. All of that was true that he did care about Mary and Martha, but he was thinking of what afflicts everyone and what afflicts the entire human race. He sees what sin has done to us, you know, and how it's brought us down from that great position that God has created us in when he first created us in, in paradise. He created us in his image. God places us on such a high level and such a majestic level that the world cannot compare uh, what uh, they it can't compare what it can offer us compared to what Christ has already given to us. But unfortunately, sin brings us down from that position that God has given us. There is no glory or joy or position that the world can even dare to even try to compare. But that's the, that's the deception of the world. It, it deceives us to thinking that what, they, what the world is offering us is better than what Christ has offered us. And it, when we really contemplate on this, and the Bible does teach us to contemplate on this and to bring to our remembrance that the things that God has given us is much more elevated than anything uh, that the world can give us and for us not to be deceived. So Christ starts today's healing with the paralyzed man, with the healing that is more important, the healing of his soul, the healing of, that comes through the forgiveness of sins. He says something, though, that only God can do. He says um, you know, that he, his sins are forgiven. And this, of course, causes a little bit of uh, trouble with those around him. 
uh, it was kind of a cause for great offense. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why, and in their hearts, right? They didn't say it out loud, but they reasoned in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So God now turns to the healing of their souls as well by correcting their faith and real and revealing very gently who he really is. And because he cares for everyone, including the scribes and including the great multitude that was present in that house. Um, he then begins to, uh, his first step in doing this was to show them that he knew what they were thinking. And he says, why do you reason thus in your hearts? Who, who can know what's inside of our hearts and minds? Can Satan know what's in our hearts and minds? No, only God knows what's in our heart and mind. Although Satan has a lot of experience, he knows our gestures, he knows how we're looking and, and our, and our, tense, uh, our tenseness, he can pretty much presume what's inside of us, but only God knows what is truly inside of us, even more so than us sometimes. He knows the hearts and minds, he knows what we desire, what troubles us, he knows the focus of our thoughts, uh, he knows what's inside of us more than we do. But yet he still loves us the same, he died for us the sa uh, all the same, he gives us fellowship with the saints and angels all the same, and he gives us the Eucharist all the same, even though he knows us through and through, he knows who we are, and yet greatly desires to have communion with us and to be with us. So after showing this, that only God knows what they were thinking, just so there's no room for doubt, he also heals the paralytic. He answers their question by his mighty deeds. The same God who knew their thoughts and the same God who heals the paralytic is also the one who can forgive sins. That's why he says the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And this was good news. This was better news than the healing of a paralyzed man. And I wonder at that time if they would have paused at that thought. You know, or were they just rejoicing that the paralyzed man was able to walk again, which is an amazing thing. Can you imagine somebody you've known for many years in a wheelchair and then all of a sudden he can walk? I mean, that's a great miracle. But what was greater in all of this was the fact that he forgave sins. <clears throat> it's, I would say, easier to heal a paralytic than to say your sins are forgiven. you. That is, the, the, that is indeed the more difficult thing, for only God can do that. And God did that, and that was the real good news. I wonder if they paused and thought about it. So this, uh, this is the reason, too, that as a reminder of Christ's saving work, that the priest prays, in, when he prays the unction of the sick or the litany of the sick, and in other prayers, he also heal, prays for forgiveness of sins and the healing of body, mind, and spirit. The prayers are not just for the physical healing, but also there are a lot of absolutions and prayers for forgiveness of sins for the spiritual healing as well. Um, Christ, Jesus Christ is ever victorious. Healing will come in Jesus Christ. Healing will come. That's guaranteed. Whether in this life or the next life, which is more important, healing always comes to those who love Him. Um, that is the promise. In today's gospel, the story of healing starts with Christ forgiving the sins of the paralytic, for healing, we need to go to Christ so that He can be in our lives no matter how severe things are. He can improve them, of course, but we have to first invite Him, or in some cases, overcome many obstacles to get to Him, like the four friends who did so. And so when that happens, though, when Christ is in the scene, He does indeed make things better.
But sometimes, however, we need help from our friends, just like the paralytic man. This paralytic man had really good friends. I mean, I wish I had one of those four, you know, although you guys are very good friends for me. So um, I'm sure you guys would carry me if needed. But the paralytic man uh, had these, these four friends who were full of grace, full of love, and full of faith. Um, but it's interesting, though, that God, who is not bounded by, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ, not bound by space or time, he knew the moment that his four friends put their hand on the stretcher to start carrying him, who knows how long, to the house, and then to go through and to realize that there's a lot of people and they can't go in, and not to lose hope, and to to climb up to the roof and to tear uh, a hole in the roof at the risk of ridicule and offense to the owner of the house. He knew all of that. Why did he wait patiently for them to go through all that? Why didn't he see that from a distance and just forgive him and say, you know, these friends have faith. I will forgive him and uh, let them not go through this effort. Why, why go through all that problem? Why embarrass uh, him going through the roof? <clears throat> But Christ saw their commendable faith in action and forgave their sins and forgave the sins of the paralytic. <clears throat> we learned two lessons from this. One, that it is indeed possible to benefit from the faith of others and to even be healed on the faith of others. So that's why we go sometimes to saintly people and we ask them to pray for us. Um, it could be that the paralyzed man had faith also, uh, otherwise he probably wouldn't have allowed himself to be uh, carried. The Bible doesn't say whether he uh, went grudgingly or you know encourage his friends to go but for sure his friends had faith so faith comes in different levels we know that um, Christ noted that if you have faith as much as a mustard seed you can move a mountain so the Bible in many verses quantifies faith and there's faith in different levels so here's the faith that um, moves a mountain St. Paul says uh, though I have faith that so that I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love I am nothing the woman of Canaan had, quote, great faith. The centurion had, quote, greater faith than anyone in Israel at the time. St. Peter had faith to walk up, to walk on the water, but he didn't have enough faith to stay on the water. Once he saw the waves and the wind, he stumbled. There is a kind of faith that the demons have and tremble. There's the kind of faith that is dead because it lacks works. There's the kind of faith that is acceptable because it works through love and, as in the case of the four friends, yields healing and yields wondrous things. All of these things are called faith. Uh, I know a story once of uh, a priest who told this story to us. Well, one time during a liturgy, there was a huge earthquake. And during the earthquake, he looked out to the deacons and you know some of the deacons and you know, the chandeliers were shaking. It was one of those big churches. And some of the deacons outside, he, uh, they continued in the prayers and the hymns as if nothing happened. Uh, and then about the other half of the deacons kind of ducked and covered under the pews, right? So he said that he was able to see the faith of the deacons um, based on this little trial that happened. That invisible world of the heart became manifest because of this little trial. Although they all had faith, uh, even the ones that went under the, the pews, they had faith, right? They were there in church, they were praying, but maybe not as much faith as the uh, other deacons. 
um, we have to continually try to increase in our faith. Faith is faith, but we have to try to increase in our faith. One way is, of course, to enter into the service, to not just be a bystander, but to actually enter into the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there we will see Christ working and our faith will increase. When we see God in action, our faith will be increased. And in the story of the paralytic, we see that Christ brings others to help with this amazing miracle. He patiently waited while the four friends struggled to carry him to the house, to struggle to find a way in, struggle to remove the roof and lower the paralyzed man. So that's a that's a lesson for us. And and we see also in the in the miracle other miracles like this, right? Like the miracle of Lazarus raising him from the dead. He calls other he says, Where is the tomb? Roll away the tomb, bring him out, give him something to eat, unbound him. He could have done all this himself. You know, he who rose the dead could have done these little things himself. But he wants us to to struggle in the sweat and the labor of the apostles and the work that is still continuing to this day. Um, oftentimes we we see people complaining about the service, right? But we don't see them actually doing anything, right? And so we want to be one of those servants who actually works and doesn't complain or criticize, but actually puts his hand on the plow and start working. Don't be a bystander in the spiritual life, but jump in and participate in the service and participate in your own salvation as well, as well as those of others. There's a saying I like to say, you might have heard me say it, either paint the house or get off the ladder. So it's good that you try to paint the house and work towards uh, building the house, the spiritual house of your own salvation and those around you. So just like the scribes and the Pharisees who were watching and they, they criticized Christ and said, who, who is this? You know, only God can forgive sins. So in the coming verses, Christ um, also uh, seeks to elevate their faith as well as because uh, of his gentleness and love for everyone. He also doesn't neglect them as well. He says the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he, then he performs the healing of the paralytic man, showing that it was the same God, of course, that is able to forgive sins. It's the same God that knows their thoughts, and it's the same God who uh, you know, heals the paralytic man. Faith in Christ, proper faith that works through love and is founded on good theology, grants us that free access to that grace, the healing, the life, and the resurrection that Christ gives, which is why the priest says prior to the reading of the gospel during the liturgy, that we just read, uh, that he is the life of us all, the salvation of us all, the hope of us all, the healing of us all, and the resurrection of us all. So similar to um, asking Martha for the ascent of faith before he rose um, Lazarus from the dead, he asked Martha, do you believe this? Um, and then he, and once she affirmed that she believed, then he rose Lazarus from the dead. The same way his friends brought that faith and by their faith um, healed the uh, paralytic. St. Cyril of Alexandria in the 4th and 5th century says that this is a precedent that we follow when we baptize children. So we baptize children on the faith of the parents, right? And we, and based on the faith of the parents, which they promise, they hold the right hand up, they promise to uh, believe in the things that are believed, and also to raise that child on uh, in the Christian values. And so that infant baptism has been there since the very beginning. On the basis of their belief, we baptize the child. So it's very similar how the friends brought in the, the paralyzed man. Uh, on the basis of uh, their faith, on the basis of Martha's faith and Mary's faith, uh, Christ does perform these miracles and brings the healing and salvation. 
faith is an amazing thing we learn from this right it's an amazing thing it doesn't just help us but it helps and and positively impacts those around us and society as a whole the society needs people like yourselves to go out into the world with faith it's a very rare commodity but it's something that really brings flavor to the world and it really impacts the world in a very positive way um, which is why we need to surround ourselves too with good friends uh, we tell this to our youth who were who are suffering from peer pressure but of course it applies to everyone it applies to adults as well who have friends at work sometimes we see our friends at work like we talked in the men's meeting more than we see our own families right who 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 has that situation i think a lot of people do we we see our our friends at work and our our co-workers 40 50 hours a week and i hope we spend that much time with our children right unfortunately sometimes it's not the case so we're affected by the people who we hang around with right Positively or negatively. In Proverbs 18.19, in the Septuagint translation, it says, A brother helped by a brother is as a strong city and a high city, and is a strong and well-founded fortress. Brother helped by brother is a strong city. It's a pleasant thing to have friends that help us uh, come closer to Christ, the source of all security and blessedness and a truly blessed and happy life. Uh, in the men's meeting, we read in the Dedicate, the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles, a quote that I'll read you. It says, you shall not associate with the lofty, the proud, but live with the righteous and the humble. Moreover, you shall seek daily the presence of the saints, that you may find support in, your, in their words. You shall seek daily. We are to seek daily those who will help us to improve our relationship with Christ. On the contrary, St. Paul says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And the words, do not be, see, be deceived, means it's tricky. Because by the time you realize their impact on you, it's too late. Whether positive or negative, by the time you realize how they've impacted you, it's too late. So do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We always mention this advice to the youth, but it also applies to us as well. Uh, we should always find friends, uh, surround friends that are on the same Christian path. And we also talk too that especially here in San Diego, you know, we're, we, we're like the cul-de-sac of America. We're America's cul-de-sac. You know, we're, we're pretty much, everyone wants to live here. Uh, it's great weather, great safe environment. You know, you have the beautiful ocean and the mountains, but uh, it's far from everyone. So if, you know, just getting to know all of you, uh, a lot of us are away from our families who live like in Orange County, Inland Empire and LA County. Um, so, which is all the more reason for us to really work towards helping each other and being close to each other because we are the family. We are, we're pretty much all we have for, with each other. So we, we need to work together and be with each other and so that uh, God sees that, that love and, um, and help because we're kind of nestled between Camp Pendleton, the mountains, the ocean, and the border. We're like this isolated uh, area. So uh, there's uh, work and, um, you know, to, to be with each other, right, and to always uh, support each other. Our fellowship is important because... Um, uh, it's important that we have help for one another, right? So don't just be on the receiving end of that, but also give as well. So if you have an event, invite those whom, uh, you know, maybe who don't have anyone to attend. Um, do you look around and see who's in need of that fellowship? Maybe someone new or someone on his own. Uh, and, and also fulfill that uh, the gospel that says if you have an event, invite those who don't have 
uh, a way to pay you back, right? Maybe they don't have enough fellowship to hold a party of their own to invite you, so you invite them. So look around and see those kind of opportunities and fulfill the command of Christ and get the blessing because of that. So may God grant us that faith uh, of those four friends, that we may put it in action, that kind of faith that works through love, which Christ will recognize and grant us the forgiveness of sin and all blessing uh, that comes from Him, to whom be glory forever. Amen.